anytime I'm ever feeling a bit average, I go and, and I work out and I have that endorphin release and I, and I feel better. And I think, you know, making sure that, that kids are balancing their screen time with their green time, you know, going outside, being amongst trees, fresh air, getting all of those sorts of positive effects on their body. Like I couldn't be more of an advocate for exercise. Um, you know, if, if we could make it law, I would. The things that I always do want to say when it comes to parental control tools is that they are not a silver bullet solution. There will always be the tech savvy kid that can bypass these controls, uh, but it's important for parents to understand that they're not a replacement for their involvement. They are a tool to help you do your job as a parent. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Coogee Voice. And on today's episode, we're speaking with Yasmin London, Executive Director of Why Safe. Now, after 10 years in the New South Wales Police Force and as a specialised youth liaison officer, Yaz is using her skills and knowledge to advise and consult government, schools, parents and youth advocacy agencies on cyber safety, education and responses. Yaz is also the co-founder of Realize, a not-for-profit and anti-bullying and mental health promotion charity and helps young people connect and express themselves through pocket filmmaking and encourages the use of technology to improve well-being and resilience. Yaz, welcome to Coogee Voice. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about the work that you're doing. Well, thank you so much for having me. First of all, I'm really excited to be here talking to you. Uh, what do I do? I, I have a background in policing, but I now uh, I now work as a cyber safety educator, uh, really going into schools, into organisations, into government departments, trying to, I suppose, spread the good word around how to be cyber safe, but also how we can, you know, utilise and leverage technology for a positive purpose. So give us a little bit of rundown. What are the big issues in cyber safety? Oh, look, there's a lot of issues. Uh, look, everything from sexting, sending nude images to cyberbullying and how that's evolved over the years. Uh, you know, we, we speak a lot at schools, particularly around cyberbullying and, you know, trying to explain that it's gone from, you know, just nasty words against a person to certain behaviours on certain platforms. Uh, we speak about uh, digital footprints or as we like to refer to it as your personal brand. How you come across online is something that we really need to be teaching kids about more and more the permanency of the information that is online and how it can affect their long-term careers and lives. Is this something that you think a lot of young people aren't really aware of when they're engaging online? Look, I think they're aware, but the reality uh, as it compares to their lives uh, is there's, there's a gap there. You know, that they, they haven't sort of seen a consequence. Uh, they don't sort of see things really affecting them. In essence, they kind of feel like they're bulletproof and that it won't happen to them until it does. Could you give us one of those like worst case scenarios? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, going back to why I got into this area in the first place, uh, I worked out of a, uh, a police station in the eastern suburbs that houses a very infamous uh, cliff face known as The Gap. And most people on, you know, on this podcast would probably be aware of it. And uh, I had an incident back in 2012 where I was called up there uh, and I had to, I suppose, negotiate with a young 14-year-old girl uh, who was suffering suicidal ideation as a result of an Instagram incident 
where people had told her to go and kill herself. And, you know, that was my my real eye-opening experience to the power of social media and its impact on our young people. And, you know, as a parent myself, I just I never want to see that happen to anyone um, ever again. I never want to be involved in a situation like that ever again. But, you know, we know the reality is that these sorts of things are happening and it's as a result of, of what's going on online. So we know that youth suicide is the leading cause of death for people under the age of 40 and the statistics around suicide are even worse Mm -hmm. in rural communities and with Indigenous communities. What role do you see uh, cyberbullying and, you know, this relationship with online in terms of driving mental health? Yeah, look, they are they are undoubtedly intertwined. Uh, I think you know all of us, kids and adults included, we we suffer a thing called online disinhibition, which basically means that we're prepared to do and say things that we would never do to someone's face. And you know, it, it basically that screen gives us that that sense of autonomy and power to actually say the things that are on our mind. So we need to understand that there's a person on the other end of the screen always. Uh, that our words can wound. Our words have impact. Uh, And if you're in doubt about what to say, um, sometimes it is best to say nothing at all rather than hurt someone or risk that being a situation, you know, where a young person hurts themselves or, you know, feels upset about what's actually been said. Now, Yaz, you're part of the Eastern Suburbs School Leaders for Youth. Can you tell us a little bit about that group and what you're doing? Yeah, look, it's a new new group combination, I suppose. It's basically comprised of leaders from pretty much all of the, the local Eastern Suburbs schools, so deputies, directors of wellbeing, um, principals, psychologists, counsellors, and myself as, I suppose, a a legal law enforcement voice. Uh, Our aim, I suppose, is to educate and empower not just students, but also parents in managing their kids in the online space, in terms of partying, things that are happening at the end of the year. Uh, And I suppose to show collaboration between those school communities. I think, you know, in the past, uh, schools have have worked in silos and haven't had that great communication with each other. Uh, and so ESLE or Eastern Suburbs School Leaders for Youth, it is a bit of a mouthful. Uh, the aim of the game is to really bridge that gap and work together as a community. Through this organisation, where do you see the major need coming from parents? Well, look, we're in our first year, we we talked about safe partying, being, you know, managing our children, the end of year festivities, things like that. Uh, this year, as you've mentioned before, um, a big topic is is youth mental health. And, and I believe that, that the topic that we're really going to be targeting at our event in April in 2020 is helping parents manage their children's mental health, try to empower them to not only help their own kids, but their communities as well, and try to give them practical, relevant advice in this space, rather than sort of, you know, overarching comments, um, really trying to be uh, practical in our approach in helping them. So can you give us some practical approaches right now? How can we help kids with their mental health? We're getting close to the HSE. Yeah. It's the perfect time. Yeah, look, I think, you know, as I say, I'm, I'm not a psychologist, but but certainly have had a lot of experience with young people suffering some kind of, of suicidal ideation or mental health issues. I think, you know, being aware of the pressures that they are under, making sure that you're having open communication with them, uh, being the HSC, you know, this is a, an incredibly stressful time for, for kids and trying to reiterate 
reiterate to them that, you know, if it goes well, if it goes badly, it's not the end of the world. There's ways and means now to get to where you need to go, but just do your best and, and you know, we'll see what the result is. Uh, if you have a young person that does suffer uh, anxiety, depression, mental health, uh, just making sure that you're you're onto that in this time of year, this stressful period, um, and making sure that they're, you know, regularly seeing people that they need to be seeing, that they're trying to maintain those relationships and doing the things that make them feel good as well as managing school. I've been really lucky to be a bit involved with Black Dog and one of the first things that I was able to do was help launch uh, some clinical research that they were doing into the role of exercise and helping Mm, people with mental health. You know, we've got an increased number of young people, particularly girls, around the age of 14. They're withdrawing from sport and exercise. How important do you think it is for people to not only switch off but also, you know, get fit, get outside, move away from their phones? Oh, totally. Like I could not be more of an advocate for this. I have a background in, you know, swimming and and as an athlete myself and, you know, any time I'm ever feeling a bit average, I go and and I work out and I have that endorphin release and I I feel better. And I think, you know, making sure that, that kids are balancing their screen time with their green time, you know, going outside, being amongst trees, fresh air, getting all of those sorts of positive um, effects on their body. Like I couldn't be more of an advocate for exercise. Um, you know, if, if we could make it law, I would. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, look, I think that's a fantastic initiative. And, you know, all the evidence is there. The more that you're moving your body, the more positive your mental space. And that's what we want to be doing more of. Yeah, I really like that green time first screen time. Yeah. So if there were three things you could tell parents today that could help with their kids to make it safer for them online, what would that be? Look, I think there is no replacement for being involved in your kids' online lives and uh, I suppose integrating it into your day-to-day. So where you might sit down at a dinner table and ask them about their day, we should be asking them about what's happening in their online worlds as well. Kids don't see the difference between their online lives and their offline lives. So as adults, we need to start getting into the habit of including that in our conversations. So finding out who they're speaking to, what they're into and why, and the content that they're consuming that's influencing their mindset. Uh, the second thing that I would uh, suggest is, is to get educated. You know, there are lots of parent sessions that are run by schools, run by community groups, where they can learn about the dangers, but also the practical strategies in their day-to-day, in their homes, things that they can be doing to try and manage their kids' lives online. Uh, the last thing I would suggest as well is control their devices some way, somehow, particularly if they're uh, if you have younger children. Children. So parental control tools, something where you are preventing them from, you know, accessing inappropriate information. You might be able to, you know, restrict how much time they're actually spending online and sort of create a technology use schedule or a planner, uh, integrating it and being proactive in your in sort of their use and parenting in that space. Uh, we definitely see good results out of that. Uh, but it does, it comes from being involved and being educated, number one and two. And so what are some of those tools that parents can use to track their kids' online behaviours? Look, there's so many out there. I would I would suggest always do your due diligence because some fit for some families and some fit for others. 
uh, at a really basic level, you can put in restrictions on any device through general settings. But the, the issue with that is that kids can always go in and turn them off themselves. So the one that we recommend is is one called Family Zone. Um, they will, re- you know, restrict, you know, inappropriate information based on an age category. Uh, you can restrict how much time kids use uh, every single day. So you can say, right, darling, you want to play Fortnite between four and five, I'll make that happen. Uh, and you can control how long and where they access. Uh, the things that I always do want to say when it comes to parental control tools is that they are not a silver bullet solution. There will always be the tech savvy kid that can bypass these controls. Uh, but it's important for parents to understand that they're not a replacement for their involvement. They are a tool to help you do your job as a parent. Uh, And it's not just about preventing them from getting into certain platforms. Uh, You get reports emailed to you from most of these software uh, companies now that you can use as conversation starters. You can use as, you know, a tool to sort of say to them, look, why have you accessed this website? This is what's come up. Is there something that I need to know about? You know, if kids have accessed something that might flag, you know, mental health concerns, things like that, um, they're a great tool for all of those proactive aspects as well that you can use as a parent. So, Yaz, the Victorian government is looking to ban mobile phones in all state primary and secondary schools. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on this and do you think that New South Wales should potentially go down the same path? This is a hot potato uh, in terms of of opinions. Look, if I was to give my my personal opinion, I'm much more of an advocate of teaching kids to use devices in a responsible and safe way. You know, while they are a distraction in class and there's a range of different rules that different schools implement these days, um, you know, a lot of the time, you know, schools can use them as learning tools. Um, with what your opinion is on that or not is is up to a particular person. But I'm, I'm much more of an advocate rather than banning something, teach people to use it responsibly. You know, we were all kids. If something was banned, what did we do? We found a way around it. Uh, so it's, it's much better to, I suppose, advocate for education, responsible use, uh, because once they turn 18, they're going to, you know, basically have their phone on them 24-7. And, you know, the situation doesn't necessarily change. It'll still be a distraction it'll still you know provide dangers in certain aspects so I think we're much better off uh, teaching them how to use it responsibly become a bit more savvy about the things that they're doing the information that they're sharing rather than blanket banning things I just don't think it works very well thank you very much now Yaz you're a local girl. You went to St. Yeah. Cass. I actually think the last time we bumped into each other was at the <laughs> was Magnolia. <laughs> yeah, it's Magnol- my favourite fair. <laughs> the best scones. I think I ate way too much cake. Oh, me I have to ask you, what do you love most about the eastern suburbs? Oh, look, it's hard not to love a lot of stuff other than the traffic, I guess. But, you know, I grew up I grew up in the east. I love Centennial Park. That is one of those places, you know, when we talk about exercise, it's, that's just like my, my zen zone. So I love it there. Bronte Beach, how can you go past the Bronte to Bondi walk unless it's the uh, sculptures by the sea? Um, Look, I I love everything about it really but um, yeah, I'd have to say the beaches, the outdoor spaces, the parks are definitely my favourite. Thing. Mm. I have to agree with you on some of those <laughs> things. You can also tell who's in it really since suburbs local by when they do do yeah, the coastal 100%. walk. You're doing it at 6am or never. Like it's just hectic. Although I have done it a few times at around four o'clock in the afternoon and that's like you're not getting in the rush hour of people exercising and bowling you over. But it's interesting. I'm a big fan of doing the coastal walk in winter and doing yes. it as a run. It's a little yeah. bit of a resistance training, yeah, getting is. that it's nice uh, and headwind. Hilly. you got the good stairs down near icebergs. That's when it's 
starts to hit me. You've spoken a bit about the traffic, but what do you see as some of the major challenges within our area? Oh, God, this is a trick question for sure. The traffic in the parking, that like, I mean, does anybody ever say anything else though? Like that's got to be an issue everywhere. But, you know, I, I kind of hate that I, ha- I just need to go get some milk and bread and I literally, like I can drive somewhere in five minutes, but I'll, set, spend, I'll spend 20 minutes trying to find a park. So it's it's hard. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I don't have any major like concerns in that way other than just transport access you know, everything could always be better, I guess, but I think it's pretty good for what we've got at we, the moment. The light rail saw- <laughs> it's looking good. I saw them testing it yesterday. It's good. <laughs> I, I guess my next question was, and you sort of maybe answered it, if you could fix anything in the area, what would it be? Parking, yeah. parking, 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 really. <laughs> but it does get you walking more though, I have to say. I lived around Charing Cross, so it was a pretty good little spot. Walked to Bondi Junction, discovered the bus route. I think it was the 389 or something at 386 um so it's not bad but yeah look i'd say the parking um is my biggest gripe so these are my last three questions that i ask everyone on the show Mm -hmm. where is your favorite place to eat your favorite beach and the best place to get coffee there's got to be categories for this because are we doing (laughs) place to eat for breakfast then cocktails there's there's so many i like how you're dissecting this yeah yeah i look I'm a liberal and I find it really hard to make like firm decisions on things when there's categories to consider. But uh, I love the Pav, you know, Coogee Pav. I love Bellagio in Charing Cross, uh, Ruby's Diner. That's always been a favourite. They all do great coffee. I know Felix at Bellagio does, um, he does events now, I think, you know, so corporate lunches and things. Uh, where else? There's always a million places in Bondi, but they're always a bit packed and I like to not go with the same old, same old. So I've always loved Bar- Bar- Bazura and their corn um, fritters. Fritters, yes. Mm, they're pretty good. Yeah, they're pretty good. So as you can see, I spent a lot of time in Coogee. Yep. <laughs> it's a favourite beach. It is. Well, I, I, I love Bronte. I learned to swim in Bronte Beach actually, so I'm probably a bit of a soft spot for it, but I definitely have taken my kids down to Coogee way more. Yeah. You can actually get a spot down there. On the sand. And have you picked a favourite coffee place? I've been avoiding that question. Um, Controversial. A favourite coffee place. Yeah, I'll say like Bellagio makes really good coffees. I have to say. I'll go with them. There you go. Good mm. little uh, plug for Felix there. Yeah, exactly. He's done well. <laughs> He's done well. Yaz, thank you so much for joining us on Coogee Voice. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to come and talk to you. No, and thank you really very much. Uh, You've been able to provide some really practical tools for families in the area. Thank you for being on Coogee Voice. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Now, how good was that listening to Yaz and all the really important work that she's doing in cybersecurity? Now, before I go, I'd like to acknowledge Philip Feinstein, who was awarded the Eastern Suburbs 2019 Volunteer of the Year. Philip founded Music for Refugee program to help provide self-esteem, confidence and happiness for refugees at Villa Wood Detention Centre. He's helped collect musical instruments to donate through the program and was invited to extend his work to the Christmas Island Detention Centre. Now, my electoral office, located at 55 Frenchman's Road, is a drop-off centre. So if you've got any musical instruments that you're no longer using and would like to donate to his cause, please bring them my way. No pianos, please. <laughs>